in week two of our series that we've been calling Freedom. Uh, so glad that you've joined us. This is a great weekend uh, to get into church and to pray for those Niners and those Kansas City Chiefs, baby. Let's go. Big weekend. Awesome. We are glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Tim. I get the honor of serving as one of the pastors here. And uh, before we get too far into the service, I want to look into that camera right there. Give a special shout out to all of you joining us online. We see you in sunny Florida. We see you in Missouri, Montana, the great state of Nevada, the great state of California, all the way in Jamaica and India. We're so glad that you're here with us. Let's give it up for them today. That's awesome. Well, hey, throughout the month of November and December, we uh, began asking this bold prayer, uh, Jesus, what would you like for Christmas this year? And we feel like it's the heart of God to help the poor, the marginalized, to be a voice for people who cannot speak up for themselves. And so we made this, this bold declaration that we want to make an impact and give hope, uh, not just uh, globally, but also locally. And so we decided to partner with uh, Jim Yost and his work there in Indonesia and help build a high school for some kids that, that not only desperately need education, but desperately need, need hope and a whole lot of other things. And, and Jim Yost is crushing it over there. We've been partnering with him for years over in in Indonesia, and the Indonesian government's actually recognized uh, the work that they're doing there at the school, and they've, they've asked Jim to come in and say, hey, help us on a national lever to, level to, to institute some education reform in this country. So we believe by making an investment in what Jim's doing there isn't just going to provide education for a few kids, but we believe it's going to raise up a generation of leaders, a next generation of presidents, of, of doctors, of lawyers, of, of pastors that will, will change the landscape of a country, uh, Indonesia, and so we want to come alongside side man say hey Jim how can we pour gas on what God's doing there but not just in Indonesia we wanted to come alongside a great work here in our city that we love of San Jose and, and make a, a community engagement to make an impact right here in this this city that we love and so we were partnering with with city team to provide a mobile food pantry uh, on a national level one in eight people are food insecure right here in the bay one out of four people have food insecurities we want to be be a be a beacon of hope to do something about that in this city that we love but also to come alongside schools and, and some various projects to engage our community. So we put the ask out there to you guys, and you guys know this already, like you're the church. Church is in a building with four walls and a roof. Church is people, people like you and me. And, and we, we as the church decided, man, we want to make an impact in these, these areas. And so we had this goal, and I, I thought it was this big, hairy, audacious goal of $100,000 just to, to give away to these these projects. And, uh, and so today we want to let you know uh, where we landed in that initiative. So I want to invite some friends to come on up, help me with this. Uh, I want to invite Ron uh, to help me with the drum roll, please. Uh, and I want to invite you uh, to do a countdown, okay? So we're going to do a countdown starting at five. Then we're going to reveal what happened with our end of the year Christmas offering to give hope, make an impact. Are you ready? We can do this. Five, four, three, two, one. Boom! That's it. $149,770 to be a voice for some people that need some hope around the globe and right here in our community. How awesome is that? Look at this and just look at what God has done. In Psalms 47.1 says this, come, let, let's rejoice together. Let's, let's lift up a voice, a, a shout of praise to this God who is so good, who's done big things. And as we look at this, let's just pray that God would do that, okay? Let's pray. Let's ask God for that. 
Father, we thank you for what you've done. We believe, God, that you're a God who's on the move. You're a God who does the impossible. You're a God who makes a way when there seems to be no way. And, Father, we pray that you would use every single dollar given to be a voice of hope, to make an impact, not only in Indonesia. God, we pray you would do a good work there, continue to work through Jim Yost and that ministry there. But, God, we pray for our city that we love. Father, would you do a work here in San Jose. When every meal is given, Father, may it be a, uh, may it turn the eyes of the people that receive it to you. May they recognize your goodness. May they see it as, as your grace extended into their lives in a very tangible, very practical way. Father, we thank you for everyone who gave to be a voice of hope in this world. And God, we pray you bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Let's give it up. That's awesome. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. That's good. Let's give it up one more time. Let's give it up as they find their way to their seats. That's awesome. Well, church, you're dismissed. Let's just go home on that note. Well, we are in uh, week two of a series that we are calling Freedom as we start off 2020. I believe it's God's desire for you, for me, for us as collectively as a church to walk in freedom. We've been in 21 days of prayer and fasting, uh, seeking God and what he has for us individually, but also collectively. And we believe when we set aside some of our own personal comforts, uh, we, we can hear God more, more clearly. So we've been doing that for the past, past 21 days. Now we're in week two. Last week we talked about four principles that I truly believe and I'm absolutely honestly convinced that if you apply those four principles we talked about last week to your life, that you can experience an elevated life in 2020. You can experience God's freedom. Uh, week two here, I want to I talk to you about something that, that I believe is true for all of us as well. I believe that all of us, no matter where you are, on your spiritual journey. I believe each one of us here have some things that are, are holding us back from becoming all that God has created us to be. And uh, the Bible calls this various things, but we want to talk about how do we find freedom from that which is, is holding us back in life. So uh, before we do that, though, I want to invite you to stand to your feet. We're going to read our theme verse out loud together. This is a little bit different. So if you're new to Central, this doesn't take place every week, uh, but it's taking place this week. So loud and proud. We're going to be cheering loud for our teams here in just a moment so we can stand and, and make some noise here in church as well. Uh, so John 8, 31 through 32 is our theme verse for this series, and this is Jesus' words. So in the count of three, I want to invite you to read this out loud together. Here it is. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching... You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So give a real big high five and a brave heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. A clap. I said I was going to count to three. I didn't count to three. I said give a high five. We start clapping. We're getting there. I mean, hey, it's the first of the year. It's early, right? Okay. Uh, give someone a high five, then you can go ahead and have a, have a seat. Um, as you're having a seat, I want to just make a quick note. In your program are, are these, some notes to follow along, some fill in the blanks. Uh, we're going to be uh, uh, giving you here in just a moment and some uh, discussion questions. If you want to talk it over with your small group or with the family over lunch, that is available, a resource available to you as well. Jesus, whenever he started his ministry, uh, he, he makes this bold declaration that, um, of his purpose, his purpose of why he came uh, to this earth. And, and so in, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus goes to a church. Basically, it's a synagogue, but it's basically a, a church where people worship and gather. And he, he opens a scroll and he turns to the, the book of this prophet Isaiah and he says these words. He reads from the scriptures and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me 
because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, which is really kind of the first half of our mission. We exist to, to introduce people to Jesus, but we want to just introduce people to Jesus. We want to help people find freedom and, 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 and follow Jesus. And so here's what he says. Here's the second half. He sent me to proclaim freedom. To proclaim freedom because the, so some people are, are still in, in chains. Some of us, like, we can, we can know truth about God. We can be beheaded to heaven, but we can still have some things that are, are holding, us, holding us back. He came to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind to help us see, see God more clearly, who he is and his purpose and his plans for, for our lives. Recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that's why we're in this, this series, to help each one of us experience freedom in 2020, freedom from things that, that trip us up in life. All of us have some, some hurts from our past. We all have, have hang-ups that we continue to, to stumble over. We all have habits that we just can't seem to, to shake. And, and Jesus actually says that part of his purpose, the reason he came, was to proclaim, to give you freedom from all of those things. In 1 John 3.8, again, he reiterates Jesus' purpose. He says, the reason the Son of God appeared, the reason Jesus came was to destroy the devil's work. Like, here's the real deal. I know maybe if it was the first time in church, you're like, whoa, settle back, cowboy. Like, we're going there this morning. But, like, you have a very real enemy. I just need you to know that. And Jesus came to destroy the work of your enemy in your life. And here's the deal. We all have some, some things that, that hold us back, and the Bible actually calls these things strongholds. 2 Corinthians 10 Three through five, it reads this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, the weapons we have, they have divine power to demolish, here it is, strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension. Uh, pretension, we get our word pretend from that, that word. It's basically this, this facade, and that's the title of our message today. That's my hope for you, that all of us would find freedom from the facades of life, because some, some, some things appear to be very real, and we buy into them as if they're true, but, but it's not real. It's just pretend. It's just a, a facade, and, and we have the power to demolish these pretensions, these facades that set itself up against the knowledge of God, the Bible says. Not, not just the knowledge of God on a big scale, although that's true, but also the knowledge of God in your life personally, and who, who he's called you to be, who he's created you to be, and my hope for you, my hope for me in 2020 that we would allow the things that God says to be true about you to be what you say is true about you. That we'd stop buying into the lies that the enemy fed us for, for so long. That you would start to see yourself. I'd start to see myself the way God sees us so we can walk in his freedom. But, but how do we do that? Here it is, the last part of the verse. When we take every thought captive, we make it obedient to Christ. Strongholds. Dictionary definition of a stronghold, one dictionary definition is this. Uh, a prisoner locked by deception, built on a lie, living life by something that is not true. Some of us are living life based on something that is not, is not even, even true. A stronghold could be this. One, one guy defined a stronghold as this. An agreement that you've made with a lie. An agreement that you've made with a lie. Stephen Covey, in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he says this. He says, we see the world not as it is, but as we are, or as we are conditioned to be. 
We see the world around us not as it actually is. We see the world as, as we are. We're filtering it through our own, our own lens. And sometimes we get, we get tricked. We get deceived. Uh, back in 2007, my wife and I had the opportunity to go over to Thailand. And uh, zoos in Thailand are very different than zoos here in the United States. Uh, in Thailand, there's these dudes that like stick their head into crocodiles and, and do this big show. And it's, it's pretty awesome. You can walk around. And we actually got to hold a tiger, two tigers by the tail in Thailand. Like you give them like 25 cents U.S. And it's like, wow, I'm holding a tiger by the tail. This is a crazy experience. But they have these elephants there as well. And I think we got actually a picture here. Yeah, yeah. I think I've eaten that guy uh, since then, uh, but uh, 2007, so give me some grace. Uh, but, but elephants there, they train these elephants, and, and maybe you've heard how they, they train elephants, but at a, at a young age, uh, these elephant trainers will, will take these baby elephants and they'll put a shackle around their back leg and anchor them to a post. And so these baby elephants, they try to break free, but they just, they just can't, they can't shake it. They can't break loose of the chain while they're, they're training them. And then so as these elephants grow up and they become these huge beast of nature, some elephants upwards of uh, 13,000 pounds can be held captive with a tiny rope around their ankle because they have the stronghold in their mind. They're deceived. They're a prison. They've made an agreement with a lie. I was a kid, I couldn't break free. Now, even though I'm a 13,000 pound beast of nature, this little tiny rope is holding me captive. And I feel like maybe for some of us, we've made some agreements with a lie. And there's some things that are holding us back from being the people that God created us to be. And God wants, wants you to experience his freedom, to live in your purpose. But sometimes we got to identify the lie that, that's holding us, holding us captive. Beth Moore in her book, Praying God's Word, good book, older book, but she defines a stronghold as this, anything that exalts itself in our minds, pretending to be bigger than our God. Let me just ask you today, what are you up against that in your mind appears to be bigger than your God? Keeps you awake at night, it's eating your lunch, it's consuming your life. Listen, that's a stronghold because a stronghold is anything that sets itself in your mind, pretending it's not real. It's pretending to be bigger than your God. Listen to me. The devil does have power, but he has no authority. Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. He gives us, he says, hey, I got all the power, and now I'm giving you purpose. Just go. Trust that I have all the authority. The only way the enemy has authority, he, he, he does have some tricks. He can deceive us. He can take us captive. But, but we don't have to stay in captivity unless we, we, we empower the liar. And the way we empower the liar is we believe the lie. So here's what strongholds do. Strongholds, uh, if you're taking notes, is the first fill in the blank there. Strongholds steal our focus. They steal our focus. Get you focused on all kinds of other things. Get you just so discombobulated that you just you just can't just can't focus. Strongholds they cause us to feel controlled. It's the second one there. Cause us to feel controlled. Like I wish I could just break free, but I got this thing around my leg that I just I just can't shake. They they consume our emotional energy. Like strongholds are draining. They distract us from our purpose. Distract us from our purpose. This is really a, a series, I recognize this, if you're just here exploring the claims of Jesus, like, this is really a series for people who know God and have surrendered their lives to him and, 
Uh, but let me just be, be very candid. I believe that the enemy of your soul and mine, uh, I, because you're, you're, if you follow, if you surrender life to Jesus, become a follower of Christ, I think he's willing to cut his losses on you. Hey, you're headed to heaven. That's awesome. Uh, not that it's awesome. He's not really excited about it. But his, his purpose is to distract you from your purpose so that you can go to heaven, but you're just not going to take anybody with you. And his strategy is to get you so consumed with yourself, me to get so consumed with myself that whenever I pray, I'll just pray about me. While my neighbors, people around me, people in this city that I love are headed to a Christless eternity and I won't lose a wink of sleep about it. He's trying to get me so distracted so that every time we come to church, it'll be about me and what I want, the way it used to be, the way I think it should be. If you did this, then we would be able to do this. And it'd be all about us. And it's a strategy to distract you from your purpose because your purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. Now, that's not just our church's mission statement. That's my purpose for my life. I believe based on biblical evidence that's your purpose for your life. That's why we exist. But the enemy wants to distract you from your purpose. He also wants to rob you, to rob me, to rob us of the abundant life. John 10.10 says that, that Jesus is talking. He says, I've come that you may have life. Not just any life. Not just, he doesn't want you to just live in survival mode. He wants to give you life. But not just any life. He says, I come to give you life and life abundantly. But the stronghold, sometimes they keep us anchored down to where we get to this place and we sit in a room like this and we question, is the abundant life even possible? Like, is that a real thing? Strongholds, they rob us of these things. And so that's what strongholds are. That's what they do. How do we overcome them? How do we overcome the strongholds in our life? First thing we got to do is take back our thought life. Take back our thought life. That's why I talked last week about the necessity of meditating on, on God's word, filling our thoughts, marinating on God's thoughts and what he says is true about us. And let me just say this, until we make the choice to take action and intentionally fill our thoughts with God's truth, we'll keep tripping over the same lies of the enemy over and over and over again. We must take back our thought life if we're going to walk in freedom. Our theme verse for this series, once again, John 8, 31 through 32, Jesus is teaching this. And he, he said, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, that can be translated, if you abide in my teaching, if you cling to my teaching, if you remain in my teaching, you are really my disciple. So what, what's a real, real disciple? What's well, someone who, who clings to his teaching, who takes hold of his teaching, who, who applies Jesus' teaching to our lives? Susan Gregory, in her book, The Daniel Fast, she gives this definition of a disciple, and I quote, Many people attend church, let's call them church attendees, but a disciple is something different. A disciple of Christ is a student who learns and follows the master's teachings and lives according to his word, end quote. That's what a disciple is, and here's his promise, if you do this, then you will know the truth, and the truth will bring freedom. It'll set you free. But we've got to take back our thought life. We've got to hold to his teachings. We've got to, we've got to walk in his ways, and that's where freedom is found. Romans 8, uh, 5 through 6, this is super interesting. This is a, the, the kind of the, the pathway to freedom. Here it is. Uh, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, here's what they do. They think about sinful things. Those who are controlled about, by the Holy Spirit, they, they think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, check this out, there's, there's death. Not just physical death, but death of relationships, death of confidence, 
death of faith. There's, there's, there's death. Confidence dies. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, check this out. There's life. And here it is again. It's not just life, but it's life and peace. Not just survival mode. There's life. But there's more than life. There's life and peace. There's life and there's abundance. When the Holy Spirit controls your mind, life flourishes. Relationships flourish. Confidence flourishes. Your boldness will flourish. Your mind, your thoughts, that's really where the battlefield is won. The battle's won, the battle's lost. That's where war is waged, in your mind, your thoughts. If you were to do a thought inventory of this past week, how you doing? Are your thoughts leading towards life? Or are your thoughts leading you somewhere else? Romans 12.2, check this out. Uh, this is Paul again, book of Romans. says, says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Which, by the way, if you are, how's that working out for you? According to all the research, we're more addicted than ever before. We're more medicated than ever before. We're more depressed than ever before. We're more hopeless than ever before. And so Paul just says, don't, don't, don't be like that. I don't want that for you. You don't want that for you. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But check this out. But let God transform you. How's he going to transform you into a new person? By changing the way I think. By changing the way you think. Here's the reality. Changing my life begins by changing the way I think. The famous quote by Charlie Tremendous Jones, you'll be the same person in five years as you are today except for the people you meet in the books you read. Now, why is that true? Well, because the people you meet change the way you think. The books you read, they change, they change the way you think. We gotta, we, if we're going to experience life change, we've got to take back our thought life. And start changing the way we think. Second observation, second principle is this. Uh, we got to identify the lie. If we're going to pull down the strongholds, if we're going to stop making agreements with the lie, we got to identify the lie. Here's what Jesus said uh, in, in John 8, 44. Uh, he's talking about uh, the devil, talking about your enemy. And here's what he says. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he actually speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Uh, Carlos Whitaker, he tells this story about his dad who was preaching this evangelistic rally in, in, in Panama. And it was a seven-day series, seven nights, seven events. And, uh, and every night he would, he would get up there and he, he'd preach his best. And at the end, he would invite people to come down front, kind of like what we do at the end of service. Uh, no pressure, no obligation. But if you want someone to pray with you, we'd be happy to do it at the end of service. That's what they're doing. And so he preaches and he's like, hey, if anyone wants prayer, come on down. This lady comes down and she says, hey, pastor, I need you to pray for me. Pray that God would remove the cobwebs from my life. And his dad thought, wow, that's, that's a really poetic prayer request. Uh, let's pray, right? Uh, pray you remove the cobwebs. God, would you do a work? And they pray. It's night two, evangelistic rally. He preaches, invitation to come down front. Would you pray for me? Pray that God would remove the cobwebs from my life. Yes, prays more fervently, prays more eagerly. Third night, same thing. Pray that God would remove the cobwebs. He's starting to get frustrated, but he prays anyway. And uh, fourth night, comes down. Uh, Pastor, would you pray for me? Pray that God will remove the cobwebs from my life. And he's upset at this point. He says, no, I will not pray for God to remove the cobwebs from your life. Tonight, I will pray that God will kill the spider. <laughs> That's it, right? That's it. And out of that one thought, Carlos Whitaker wrote a book called Kill the Spider. 
Because while Carlos Whitaker was this prominent worship leader, would travel, would lead worship of thousands of people on really big stages. Carlos Whitaker had all these strongholds in his life. And what he discovered, and what you have discovered, I'm guessing as well, is that we address cobwebs. We, we, we address uh, the symptoms, but we never actually get to the root of it. We say, oh, oh, can you help me? I need five steps to recover from pornography. I need these steps to recover from alcoholism. I need these steps to help me to, to stop sleeping around on my wife. I need these steps to, to help me to see myself as God sees me and stop having these different eating disorders and all these things. And we address the, 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 the cobwebs. All the while, the spider's happy for you to do that because he's in the corner ready to weave another cobweb. But until you get to the root of what is causing the behavior, we're going to continue to repeat the behavior. And it might just manifest itself in a different way, in a different light in our lives. Kill the spider. He defines a spider as this. A spider, and I referenced it earlier, a stronghold is an agreement you have made with a lie. So where in your life have you made an agreement, you embrace it as true, but it's a lie. A cobweb is this. He would define a cobweb as this. A medicator that brings false comfort to the lie. Cobwebs are easy to identify. If you don't know what the cobwebs are in your life, ask someone that you live with. <laughs> They'll be happy to tell you, right? Here, here's four of them. You need to work on these, especially this one, right? But spiders, stronghold, what's at the root of it, that's not as easy to identify. Locating your spider will require some deep work. For me, a lot of counseling. A lot of self-examination, a lot of digging into to my history and trying to unearth what, what's at the root of this behavior. An agreement we make with a lie. And so a big step to starting that deep work, to starting that process, is simply ask God, God, where in my life have I made an agreement with a lie? Where in my life am I embracing a lie as though it were true of me, as though it were true of the world around me? Identify the lie. And then third and final, replace the lie. Replace the lie. Replace the lie with God's truth. Uh, we, we have to put new thinking into our minds. We, we, identifying the lie is really the hard part. Dealing with the lie is where freedom springs into action. And here's what you do. Once you identify the lie, here's what you do. Three steps. You confess the lie, reject the lie, and you replace the lie with God's truth. Confess the lie, reject the lie, replace the lie with God's truth. Unfortunately, this is not necessarily a one-time event. Every time I, I, I identify in my own life, I'm making another agreement with a lie. I have to go back through this process. And say, no, 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 I, I recognize I'm embracing a lie as, as a truth. And I have to confess the lie, reject the lie, replace the lie. Rewire the thinking in my mind around God's, God's truth. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. It's in your program as well, but we'll have it on the screens. A uh, larger chunk of scripture, but this is... Uh, weapons of warfare. Paul's talking about how we do spiritual battle. And he says this, and this is really, uh, this first verse is my prayer for, for all of us. If you have the 21 days of prayer and fasting card, it's the first prayer request on there. And here it is. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's my hope for you. That's my, my, my prayer for you. In 2020, may we be a people who are strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Check this out. I know you think it's about your boss. I know you think it's about your spouse. I know you might think it's your kids. I know you might think it's that guy down the street. I know you might think it's, it's him. I know you might think it's, it's her. But check this out. Your battle, it's really not against flesh and blood. Here's who it is against. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. That's who your battle's against. Therefore, in light of that, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand... Stand firm then with the belt of truth around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 17, put on the helmet of salvation, check this out, and the word of God. And the, and the, the sword, put on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, there it is, which is the word of God. There it is, that's what I was looking for. Verse 18. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep praying for all the Lord's people. That list of armor is primarily defensive. The day of evil is coming. You will be attacked. And he's saying when it comes, you be ready. And here's how you be ready. But, but there's, there's one, I would argue, two offensive weapons in there. The sword of the spirit which is the word of God. we got to fill our thoughts with God's thoughts. we got to take back our, our thought life and pray. That's why we're in 21 days of prayer and fasting, because God has ground for you to take in your life. Equip yourself with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and join us if you haven't yet for 21 days of prayer and fasting. Take ground, find freedom that God has for you. So how do we find freedom from the facade? We've got to take back our thought life. We've got to identify the lie. We've got to replace the lie with God's truth. Philip, you can come on up and begin to get ready to, to lead us in, in worship one more time. Um, but my friend and former boss, uh, Judd Wilhite, he, he tells a story of uh, California red-tailed hawks. And uh, in his book, Uncaged, uh, there's these, this zoo, it's the L.A. Zoo, and the zookeeper, he goes into the back of a, a warehouse and he finds this cage with a half dozen red-tailed hawks. And check them out, like they're, they're awesome, like what a majestic creature. And the zookeeper knows that these, these red-tailed hawks are in this back of the warehouse. They're not on display because they're, they're caught up in this case that has a lot of red tape. And the likelihood is that these red-tailed hawks would end up dying in the back of this warehouse in captivity. And the zookeeper is like, this is not right. I got I to gotta do something about this. And so while no one's around, he, he opens up the, the window of this warehouse and the door to the warehouse. And, and he opens the cage for these red-tailed hawks to fly free. And he, he goes and he goes to lunch and he, he's gone for an hour. And then he comes back thinking that they're, they'll be gone forever. They're going to be sailing in the sky, only to find these red-tailed hawks comfortably perched in their cage, haven't gone anywhere. And so he gets frustrated, right? And, like, he, he charges the cage, like, go free, birds, go free. And they fly, like, 10 to 15 feet in front of 
the cage. And he said, that's when the saddest thing happened. These half dozen red-tailed hawks, they looked back at the cage with longing. Rather than soaring and fulfilling their purpose to be majestic birds of prey and, and living in their purpose, fulfilling the purpose that God gave them, these hawks traded their purpose for predictability. They traded bravery for boredom. The freedom of the sky for the empty promise of the cage. And he had to eventually herd them back into the cage. When I heard that story, I realized I can do the same thing. Rather than living in freedom and trusting God, taking him at his word and basing my possibilities on his promises, I let the cage of fear hold me back. The life I was meant to live is a miss. And we need to decide today, are we gonna be a church? Are we gonna be a people that lives by fear or a people who lives by faith? Fear will paralyze you and keep us in the comfort of the cage, of our stronghold. But faith calls upon your courage that will lead to action and can bring freedom. And I've just come with a message to tell you today. The cage door is open. You don't have to be held captive anymore. You can soar in his freedom if you choose to. Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you for the freedom that you offer us. We thank you, God, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. And therefore, God, we can walk in your purposes and help people find you, help people follow you. God, would you help each of us here, God, to identify the lie we've embraced as a truth. God, would you help us to take back our thought life. Father, would you help us once we've identified the lie to replace the lie with the truth so we can be a people that walk in your freedom. God, you're so good, so gracious to us. You got big plans for every person here. God, I pray you'd fill us with your presence so we can walk in your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen.